vacuum. And um, all right, so those are a couple things coming up. And so hopefully, if you or if you would turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter five. So uh, two weeks ago, so last week uh, Tony stepped in for me, and then uh, week before that we had a special um, Passion Week. Uh, mixed service in here that was really, um, it was kind of long, but the kids all hung in there. I mean, uh, so that is a good sign, I think. I I enjoyed it. You never know um, how everybody else did, but we kind of went through the last week of what Jesus did, and uh, I put it up on the website. I don't know how well it will come out. Uh, It was a little more interactive with slides, but it's there if you want to listen to it, so... um, but so it, that what that means is this has been a couple weeks since we've been in Joshua. So uh, we are in chapter five tonight, and uh, we are crossing over and moving forward in the book of Joshua. So if you would, why don't you join me in in prayer, and we'll pick it up there in verse one of chapter five. Lord, again, we do come before you and ask that you would move through our hearts and through our midst by your Spirit tonight, Father, as your word goes out as we hold it in our laps, as we consider it, Lord, in our lives, and our hearts, and our minds, Lord, you work so powerfully and wonderfully, Lord, and you know, a lot of people just uh, would think uh, going to church on a Wednesday is just the strangest thing. Um, uh, maybe Sunday they could understand that, but Wednesday is one of those things I think people kind of give us a double look, uh, like there's something at church on Wednesday, but there is, Lord. There's a great opportunity for us to gather together, Lord, to be in your word and uh, spend time together in prayer and in worship and just a great middle of the week filling, Lord. And so we're thankful for it. Now we ask that, again, that you would do that great and wonderful work that you're so faithful to do, Lord. Bless this time, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So by way of review, remember the people are coming. They, they had left Egypt. They had received the, the law on Mount Sinai. Uh, and, and about a year and a half, let's say, probably a little less than that, they, they made it to the, to the border of the Promised Land, to the Jordan River. But remember, they sent some spies in there, and 12 of them... Uh, uh, they all came back. They all said it was a beautiful land. They said it was a wonderful land. Oh, it's a great place. Oh, man, look at We brought some of the fruit from the land. Man, what a place it would be. But 10 of the 12 then went to say, yes, it's great and wonderful and the blessing. And, and the Bible describes it as a land flowing with milk and honey. And the idea is it's just, you know, milk and honey or, you know, like, um, you know, top of the crop pyramid or something. You know what I mean? They're like... You know, those are real good, uh, and in their day, a little uh, scarce and something that was really wonderful to enjoy, honey and and milk. And so that's the idea. It was just a wonderful place, but there's giants, there's walled cities, there's soldiers and armies, and we're a bunch of ragtag slaves, not warriors. Remember, there were slaves in Egypt. They were building all those pyramids and those buildings that the pharaohs had them built for 400 or thereabouts years, and so you know they were they weren't warriors, and so they heard ten of them say, ah, "But it's good and wonderful, but there's no way we can do it." Two of them said, "Yes, we can do it," but the people believed the ten, and the Lord says, "Listen, you can't enter this." And this, this is important to remember because it's key to our story tonight. You, you can't enter this land into the promises except by faith. 
If you're not going to believe it and not receive it, then you, you really can't enter in. There's just nothing there uh, for you because it's a land uh, of walking by faith. There's going to be battles. Yep, there's going to be difficulties. Yep, there, there's going to be heartaches. Yep, check, check, check. All those things are going to happen. But the difference is I'm there with you. This is where I have you. I'm going to see you through. I'm going to lead you and guide you and, and, and fulfill the promises that I gave you. And it's a great picture of the Christian life as well. And, and so they, they, they didn't want to do that. So God said, listen, it's going to be a 40-year death march until that generation dies out. 40 years had come up now, and, and they're moving. That We picked up last week. They were at the Jordan River. We, we talked about that. They, um, God said, okay, head out. Joshua now, you're in charge. Moses went home to be with the Lord, and, and he... Uh, said, okay, I want you to send the ark out about, oh, I don't know, what was it, a thousand yards or something ahead of you. You follow it, and then you're going to go to the Jordan, and you guys fall in behind it. He's going to go to the Jordan, and as soon as he gets to the Jordan, you're going to cross over. Now, remember, the Jordan River was at flood stages at that time. It was springtime, uh, floods. It was as wide and flooded as it ever been. Of course, you're going to take two and a half, three million people across. How are you going to do that with everything? And and as soon as the priests, remember we talked about this a couple weeks ago, their foot hit the water, the river stopped, and they walked across. And God said, listen, when you're walking across, get 12 guys, pick up some stones that you find in that riverbed, set it on the other side where you're spending the night. You're going to set up a memorial to remember what was done here. And then in the years to come, when people see that pile of rocks and they say, hey, Dad, uh, hey, Mom, well, uh, you know, what, what's that pile of rocks all about? Well, let me tell you about it. This is what the Lord did, and it was to be passed on to the, uh, the generations that followed. And so they set that up, and, and now they've crossed over. They're in the promised land, but they're not ready to confront the enemy yet. Something needs to, a couple things need to happen. As a matter of fact, three things. And so let's read those as we go into chapter 5, verse 1. It says, so it was. When all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over that their heart melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. Now, you might be thinking, if you're a Joshua or any of the people there, you might, you know, when you get word back that these guys are freaked out now. They were already worried because we already heard about Rahab, remember? She had already given report to the ones that had gone into Jericho. Hey, the people are just, they, they heard what, you know, what God's been doing way back 40 years ago in Egypt. And, and they're, they're, they're very fearful. Now, if you were Joshua, and again, the people that were going to go in and enter into these battles, you think, wow perfect time it is to attack, right? You know, uh, God did this miracle. The, the people are going to be fearful. You know, if you're a military guy, a strategist kind of person, a perfect time to attack, right? They're, they're weak. They don't feel like they can do anything. They're, there's no, uh, you know, they're, they're not, uh, you know, getting pumped up and try to work themselves into. they figure, man, it's all over with. And so um, they're fearful. And humanly, humanly speaking, you're right. It would seem like that's the time is to go right now, but the Lord is no, 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 no. There's three things that need to happen first because I want you guys to walk in faith and have victory. And so 
we need to take care of some things rather than continue to move forward. Some things need to, be, need, need to happen with you guys in your hearts and in your lives before we can continue to enter into the promises by faith. And this is the first thing that the Lord told him to do. So verse 2 says, At that time the Lord said to Joshua, so they're crossed over there, there, they hear everybody's freaked out, and then the Lord speaks to Joshua, Make flint, flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So the first thing the Lord says, you know, uh, okay, first, uh, we're re- you know, they're ready, and the orders from the Lord is, nope, stop right there, and uh, you're going to do something far more important than having some kind of victory over, o- over these cities and over the battles and over the war. There's something more important that needs to happen first, and the first step is circumcision. Now, uh, again, uh, they're all pumped up. They're all ready to go. God just did a great work. I mean, they saw that this river parted. They went across. They heard that the nations are really fearful. And then the first thing the Lord is, hey, listen, you need to take care of this first. Now, as we'll read in a, in, in a little bit, um, you, you know, that they, they didn't, the whole time they were in the wilderness, they didn't do what God had called them to do. In fact, this was a, a right way back in Abraham. He gave to Abraham in Genesis, the very beginning of separating that people out. And the idea was, and the picture, and it's picked up in the, in the New Testament. Paul says, you know, you, you need to cut away the, the, the flesh of your heart. In other words, when you, when you see that, when you hear that, what he's really talking about is that, you know, your life needs to represent, you need to cut away the things that make, and, desi- and the natural desires and the natural way of doing things and the natural way you think and want to execute and go and do these things. You need to learn to walk by the Spirit. And those things that are of the flesh or of the natural, you know, our personalities, uh, the way we were raised, and all those things that have an effect on us, God said, listen, that needs to be cut away in in your life. You need to be a person that walks by the Spirit. The Spirit of God dwells in you when you become a believer, when you receive Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. The Holy Spirit comes into the person's life, and now he says, "I, I give you now... Uh, I'm, I'm with you. you. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to do something. You don't have to go to a certain place to, to hear from me or be a part. I choose to dwell in you. And as we learn on Sunday morning, um, he, the, and then he chooses to, to fill us with the Holy Spirit as well, to empower us to do uh, the works that he's called us to do. And he said, listen, I, I, I want you, uh, I, I, my plan is different than yours. It seems like a good opportunity. It seems like we should go ahead. It seems like, all common sense, in that, in, if I can put it in that way, would be we need to jump on this now. But I want you to prepare your heart and your lives first. And Joshua was a person who was getting his order from the Lord and not from the experts. Okay, Lord, this is what you want? To me, it would seem like we're in hostile territory. And to put all the fighting men out of commission for, as we'll find out, three days of healing would be one of the foolish moves we could ever make. (laughs) Because, you know, if they get word what we're doing, there's no way that these guys or any of us are going to be able to defend ourselves. We're, We're leaving ourselves pretty susceptible to being wiped out. But Joshua knew, Lord, if I listen to you, if I follow what you have to say to me, 
I, I know that's absolutely the best. And I, uh, uh, and God was preparing them so they could have that victory that he wanted to give them. And this victory was going to come from him, and it was going to become from a, a work of faith. It wasn't going to be by any human effort. And that's kind of the theme that we'll see running through this whole book. No human effort was going to take the lead or take credit. It was all going to be from the Lord. Now, the Lord doesn't need attention. It's like, why does the Lord have to get the glory? Why do we have to say, praise the Lord? Why is, you know, give God the glory? Well, you know, does he need something filled? Is there some ego thing that he... No, no, no. You see, what the Lord knows is if our hearts and our focus and our attention's on him, and we're giving him the glory and we're looking to him, then then our heart moves in that direction. We'll, We'll follow him and lead after him. If we put our attention elsewhere and we are pulled by, well, this is what I really feel like I want to do and this is what I really need to do and, well, thank you, Lord, for your advice and your opinion, but, you know, I feel this is the better way of going and that's the way we can be. And and God says, listen, if you put your attention and focus on me, I'll never let you down. If you take the advice of your sister, your wife, your mother, your brother, your uncle, your, you know, this and that, they'll let you down. Everybody will let everybody down at some point, but the Lord says, listen, you put your focus, your trust, you listen to me, I'll never let you down. I, I will never lead you in the wrong direction. I will never give you bad advice as much as you maybe somebody doesn't, you know, meaningly want to give you bad advice, but they, you know, encourage you to do something, and it might be in a loving way, but it could be completely wrong. The Lord will never do that. He'll never disappoint us. And so he says, put your focus and attention on me, and, and you'll never go wrong. And so the first thing they needed to do was be prepared. Cut away the natural way of doing things and step out in faith. And that's what this kind of represented. It's what it represents today. It's what it represents in a picture in in that day as well. Because later on they would just go through the act physically and it just had no meaning. It it didn't really mean anything. Again, it's all a matter of, you know, why and and the purpose behind it all. And... um, that's what he's telling them to do. So, okay, I'm going to incapacitate all my military guys. It seems like a perfect time to strike. So he hears the Lord, and verse 3 says, So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel uh, at the hill on the uh, hill of the foreskins, which is called Gilgal, which kind of rolls away the reproach, if you would. This, we'll see that in a minute. And this is the reason why jo- Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt, who were uh, males, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who had come out had been circumcised, but all the people who had been born in the wilderness on the way as they came out to Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness to all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So then Joshua, so that's what happened. They didn't obey. They, they were just doing what they'd pretty much done that 40 years. They weren't listening to the Lord, and they wandered around, and, and they didn't listen to him. They didn't even do the things that they were supposed to do that the Lord had told them to do. Uh, there's this one, and we'll see in a minute. They, they never kept the Passover feast even though they had all experienced the Passover. Pretty amazing to me. So verse 7, Then Joshua circumcised their sons, whom he raised up in their places, for they were uncircumcised, because they had not been circumcised on the way. 
Verse 8, so it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day, or to roll away the reproach, as I said. It's just to, to move it back. Now you're walking See the picture here? Now you're walking in the Spirit. Yes, it was a physical, yes, it was an outward sign, but the meaning was the same. Just as the New Testament, he gives us that, you know, it needs to be inside your life. It's not something on the outside. Uh, the, the, the point the Lord was making here and, and the point the New Testament makes is it's, it's got to be part of your life. You, you put away the old nature, the old way of doing things, the old way of acting, the old way of reacting, you cut that away, and now you're you're born again, so you have this new life, and you walk by the Spirit, not the natural or the old way you used to do things. Now, you can't do that in the natural. You can't be a good enough person. You can't be, you know, clean enough. Well, I'll clean up my act a little bit, and, you know, that's what the Lord wants me to clean up my act. Forget it. You'll never do it, you know. <laughs> it's impossible. Yeah, you can change a few things here or there, but... Man, you know, you still are the same rotten person they always have been. No, I'm speaking for myself. But you know what I mean. When the Lord comes in, now he gives us the ability that we don't have to react or act the way we did. And we're free from that. And that's what he's saying. That The whole way of, way of Egypt now is just removed from you. That's what that pictured. And so first things first, walk by faith. Trust me that nobody's going to attack you, that I, I'm in on this. I'm telling you to do this. We need to get, you need to get your, your heart and life first before you can experience the, the victories and the blessings and, and go through all those, survive all those battles that are going to come your way. You need to be prepared. And he does that. He doesn't argue with the Lord. He doesn't say that's a terrible battle strategy. We could all die here. No, he said, I'm, I'm, we're going to do it. And they all did it. They all agreed. They were all there. You don't see anybody um, complaining or say there's no way or this is the dumbest thing I ever heard of. They, they all do it. You know, same thing is true for them as it is for us. Their obedience was the secret to their success. Our obedience to the Lord is the secret to our success. We do what he says. We follow and uh, the Lord, in obedience, we're always going to be successful. Now, I just want to just throw this map real quick. So here they are. They crossed over the Jordan River. Remember, the, the water was stopped way up here in Adam or Adam up here. And, uh, and so they came across. The first place they'll go to is that uh, they'll stop, stop that night, set up that little memorial. Then they'll still do this in Gilgal where they are now. And then you can see Jericho is pretty close. That gives you some idea. This is the Dead Sea right here. And so Egypt would be down there and Jerusalem would be somewhere right about here. So I'll just give you some idea of what, where, where they are, what they're doing. So he's having them there. They're really close to Jericho where the first big battle is going to be. And uh, they're trusting the Lord. And again, their obedience was the secret to their success. All right, verse 10. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and they... Uh, and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. So the first thing, walk by the Spirit, not according to the old nature or the flesh, we would say. The second thing is, 
now God knew that his people needed to be prepared spiritually for that battle laid ahead. And so he caused them to say, let's take rest. Let's focus uh, on the Lord and remember what he has done for us. The keeping of the Passover, how uh, maybe some in that group there were alive. I guess I could figure out the time. Maybe they, they weren't because it would be four years. But, you know, uh, some of them probably wouldn't have been there if their parents didn't apply the blood of the Passover lamb to the door. Remember when the death angel, the last plague of Egypt, came across? If they, in faith, put, you know, sprinkled some blood of an animal there. I mean, it seems like the most, well, I don't want to say the most ridiculous thing, but from the outside looking, just how could that do anything? But it was that simple act of faith. It wasn't the blood. It wasn't the little hyssop branch that they used to put it on there. It was, it was, it was that, it was that, the act of faith. It was, you know, that, that lamb is substituting for my firstborn. And in faith, I put that up there. And, and, and many people were alive in that camp at that time because of that simple act of faith. And the Lord says, listen, I want you to remember that as well. Um, uh, they, they hadn't kept the Passover the whole time again in, in, in the wilderness. They were just still doing their own thing which is one of the reasons why they just wandered in life. That's why some people, they, they know the Lord, maybe they even experience you know, salvation, but they don't seem to move you know, a step further, and their life's kind of up and then down and up and then down and up and then down. It's because you know, there's never a point where they just really fully enter into the promises of God and say, Lord, yes, I'll live, I'll follow you, I'll trust you, I'll walk in faith. And, and I'll move forward in you. And so they just still kind of do their own thing, and they kind of got you know, the Lord in their back pocket, so to speak. And, and that's kind of what those people wandering around in the desert were. They just never entered the promises, didn't want to remember, look back. And the Lord says, listen, I want you guys to do that. Remember what I've done. Remember the promises that you can move forward. We, of course, we do the same thing today. Remember, the Lord wants us to take part in pass uh, I'm not Passover in uh, communion right we we need to remember what Jesus has done for us he knows how we are we get busy we get in our routines and we can kind of forget the things the Lord's done so he says listen I want you to rest walk in the spirit remember what I've done for you number two keeping the Passover and then the the next one verse 11 and they ate the produce of the land on the day after the Passover unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan, uh, of the land of Canaan uh, that year. So now the third thing was, God was providing for them for uh, over 40 years in, in, in the desert, miraculously supplying them with food and water. Now things were going to change. Listen, um, you're going to have to work with your own hands to get their food. And so he wanted to know is that, listen, I, I'm changing that. It's not going to fall down. You're not going to have to just go outside your, your house in the morning and pick up all that you need to eat that day is going to be found there. Um, now you're going to enjoy the produce of the land. And, uh, and the Lord does that. He does that in our lives as well. You know, maybe you found in your own life when you came to know the Lord that he just delivered you from maybe stuff that, you know, you'd just been doing. And, you know, you're involved in this and you're doing this and saying this and going there. And, 
You know what it was, whatever that might be for you. And then um, it seems like when you gave your life to the Lord, miraculously, he just kind of took all that away. And, uh, you know, he strengthened us for a time. And then and then if you notice, if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, some of those things, three or four years, maybe a little longer, maybe a little less, just start come creeping back in your life. Oh, why don't you do this and get this? And, oh, yeah, that was fun. Remember when I used to do that? And, you know, somehow in our own little minds... Um, I can't say your mind's little, I can say mine is, I guess. But, you know, we, we kind of start looking back on some of those things that we did before the Lord with fondness. And it was great and wonderful. And, and the Lord says, listen, um, yeah, I, I, I did that because I wanted you to grow, mature, and strengthen. But at some point, you need to experience that victory uh, uh, firsthand. I'm not going to just always take all those things away. There, there needs to be that victory you need to experience by walking uh, with me and trusting me and yeah there's going to be some but you know I want you to have the victory and sometimes he allows that to happen in fact I think he allows that to happen in all of our lives to some degree or another that we can experience that victory walking in faith so that we can mature and carry on and I believe that's what he was doing with these uh, that day as well okay it's going to change you're going to do some things different and I'm going to uh, uh, now you're going to be start getting your own food and taking care of that. Now he's given him a land that's going to be bountiful, but still is changing from just going outside their tent literally and picking it up every morning for what they needed for the whole day. Verse 13, now it came to pass, so with those three things down, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man, notice, in your, if you have a New King James, it's capitalized man, M, stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Now, this is how I kind of picture this. So, you know, they're there. Uh, they're in the plains of Jericho. Jericho is probably just, you know, down the hill a little bit or across the valley a little bit. And I kind of picture Joshua who knows that this, you know, they, they've uh, done what the Lord's called them with circumcision. They know they've celebrated the Passover. Now they're eating the, the fruit of the land. And he knows the next thing lying before them is, is Jericho. And he knows it's going to be, it's a big city. It's got many trained soldiers. They have great defenses. It's going to be a big deal, a, a big battle, <laughs> you know, like we face big battles. And, and I just kind of picture him kind of, walking there by himself, kind of getting closer, maybe getting to a little vantage point where he could overlook the city or see the city. And as he's there, all of a sudden, he sees this man, uh, at first it is to him, with the sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua, seeing the sword, doing what probably you or I would do, says, um, uh, you know, uh, again, with a lot of fear and apprehension, knowing what's coming up before him, he sees this man and asks, well, whose side are you on? Are you on their side or are you on our side? Fair question. But let's read verse 14. So he said, No, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have come, I have now come. Now, think about his answer for a second. So Joshua says, He sees him. Are you on our side or are you on their side? His answer is no. No. 
wait, you're either on our side or their side. No is not one of the options that you can answer a question like that, right? At least that's what I would think. And he says, no, uh, um, no, no, uh, no. Uh, again, Joshua, you're looking at this wrong. No is the right answer. You're looking at it that I have to be on their side or I have to be on your side. The answer is no. I'm here as the commander of the army of the Lord. Joshua, I think this is how I look at this. Joshua, you're looking at this wrong. It really isn't about, in my eyes, about you versus them. You know, for us, for them. No, no, that's you're looking at this wrong. It's really a spiritual battle, so to speak. Now, now, there will be a physical battle. Don't misunderstand me. We'll read about that in a minute here. That will actually happen. But, uh, again, um, Joshua, the reason that you're here and the reason this is all going on is because there's a great spiritual battle going on here. And I think that the reason I, I think that is because, remember, years and years ago, 400 and, well, far more than that, way back, I can think of it in my mind, but it would, so to, let's say 600 plus years, seven, uh, whatever. I'm trying to think off the top of my head what it is, but something like that. Uh, ago, the Lord told um, Abraham, hey, I'm going to send you into this land, but you can't. And he, he gets into the promised land. You remember, he said, you know, every place around that, this is all going to be yours. I'm going to give it to your descendants. Oh, great, great, great. But you can't have it now, Abraham. Well, what do you mean I can't have it right now? Well, you see, um, there's a lot of sin going on in this Canaanite, Hivite, Jebusite, uh, Termite, Hivite, whatever those guys are, you know, all those ites down there. Uh, he said there's a lot going on, but, it, you know, I, I'm giving them 400 years to turn this ship around. Now, of course, the Lord knows, you know, what's going to happen in the future. Time from the beginning to end is laid out before him all at one time. But I'm going to give them 400 years. You're going to go down to Egypt. Your family is going to go down there. It's going to grow and multiply. And I'll bring them back after about 400 years to take over this land. But I'm giving them 400 years. And so the answer is no, Joshua. I'm not for them, not for, for you. It's not about that is what it is. is they, they are there to the point where there is. And again, it's one of those things that's kind of hard for us to understand. But they got to the point where there was no return. They had got to the point, and, and, and that happens in an individual's life and a nation's life, I believe. You can see that throughout history in the Bible. I think in our own country we're heading very close to that, where the Lord says, that's it. There's just nothing more good come over that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to fold. It's going to go under. Or a person is going to die. Yes, I've been trying to reach them their whole life and their whole life and their whole life, and and, and, you know, I'm given the opportunity at some point. He says, okay, that's it. That's the last chance. Now, knowing the Lord, I believe it's usually to a person's last breath. I, I was sharing earlier, I know we've been praying for my, my cousin who is my age. She's two months older than I am. And they, she was diagnosed with cancer about six, seven weeks ago. And she, she died last night. Um, and uh, I visited her on Monday, um, and, uh, you know, I, I knew, I, I knew, I know her family because she's my cousin, right, and she was like me. She grew up never going to church. I don't think she ever went to church. I, I don't know if she ever went to church at all. Um, uh, it's kind of, uh, 
my family on both sides. But that's another story. But, you know, we're there, and I, I knew the Lord wanted me to, you know, share the gospel. So I spent quite a bit of time in the Bible and talking with her and doing that. And, and I truly believe, you know, that was her opportunity, you know, um, you know, Monday afternoon, and she died 24 hours later, that the Lord was giving her an opportunity to come to know him. And, and I believe that's what the Lord does. He extends his grace. But at some point, uh, you know, in, in a person's life or in a nation's life or in a group, he says, well, that, that's it. There's just, um, it's kind of like having a, well, people like to use this illustration, and maybe it, it helps you understand a little bit, but it's kind of like a, a rabid animal. You, you know, there's no cure for them. They're going to die eventually because that is just going to uh, eat away their inside and, and and that's it and the lord was they were at that place as a group as a bunch of nations around there and so the lord said listen this is um it's judgment's going to fall because of the way they they were living and when we get through the old testament you'll read more and more and more about what they were doing and the evil they were doing and child sacrifice and there's all sorts of horrific things and so what joshua is hearing now from this angel of the lord is Listen, um, uh, again, uh, it's, it's, it's time. This, is, this can't go on anymore. So it wasn't so much about, and we need to remember this as we go through, especially as we read these battles in Joshua, it wasn't about kicking out one group of people or killing one group of people to allow another group of people in. That wasn't the case. The case was they're going to have the land because these people just can't be there anymore. It's just gotten so corrupt and so evil and the, and, the, you know, it was uh, inoperable, uh, point of no return, cancer, so to speak. And the Lord will remind his people and tell them, hey, listen, if you follow in their path, the same thing's going to happen to you. You're not exempt from being judged if you follow in what they do. And, of course, most of us know how the rest of the New, uh, Old Testament goes, and that's exactly what will happen to them. Because it wasn't so much us or them it was, here's God's standard, and are you going to live up to it? Are you going to do it? And if you're not, this is the, that's the natural consequences of, uh, of ignoring it or pushing it aside or rejecting it. And, and so, you know, this commander of, of the army of the Lord is, is telling him that. Now, let's finish the last verse here, the two verses. And Joshua, so when he heard this, he fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take uh, your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. So how do we know that it was not just an angel, but actually what we call a Christophany or a theophany, the appearance of Jesus before he uh, uh, came as a babe in Bethlehem? Well, it's because a couple of things. One, he's receiving worship. You can read many places in the Bible where somebody tries to bow down before an angel, and the angel's like, dude, get up. <laughs> get up. Uh, you don't worship God. Don't worship me. I mean, we see that all over the place. But he's receiving worship. And it was probably a very familiar story to Joshua because isn't that exactly what the Lord said to Moses when he was speaking to him in the burning bush? Hey, Moses. Take off your sandals because the ground you're standing on is holy. In other words, you're in my presence. And I'm sure that brought back that memory to Joshua instantly. And, and the greatest thing I think all this did was Joshua just went, 
Lord, you're here. <laughs> it's not all on my shoulders. I don't have to worry about all this. You're here. You're taking care of it. We're following you. It's not about me being smart. It's not about me figuring this all out. It's not me putting it all together. It's not me trying to get this all working on. It's just me following you. And if I follow you, then I'm leading the people. They'll follow me, and man, things will be going right. And I believe it's that simple. I really do. <laughs> I really do. Well, chapter 6, and let's go through this pretty quickly. Verse 1 says, Now Jericho was securely shut up. Yeah, shut up is in the Bible, but I wouldn't recommend it. Never mind. Uh, because of all the children of Israel... You ever say, shut up, what's in the Bible? No, don't, 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 don't tell this to your mom. Strike that from the record. <laughs> and none went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. So, again, now the Lord speaks to Joshua again and tells him, you know, the city and its soldiers are for their taking. They will be defeated. Now, here's how you're going to do it. And uh, he's going to tell him. And again, I think it's impo- important that we listen to the Lord and get his instructions and his timing and his way of doing it. He, he's not leaving it to his own thing. He says, listen, uh, I, I'm going to give you the instruction. Now, why do we wait? Why do we take time? Why do we want to let? Well, because, first of all, most importantly, our ways aren't the Lord's ways. His ways aren't our ways. So, you know, we kind of would think in one direction. Now, if if you were Joshua, just think, here's a city with walls. We know there's actually going to be two walls. I'll show you a picture in a little bit. And, and, and you know, you have to get in there. and They're defending the wall, and there's soldiers in there that are very battle-hardened. And, you know, we don't know how many of them in Israel were really that well-experienced compared to the others, probably not very much. And, and so there was every reason, you know, to worry about how in the world are we going to breach this. And so they could have doing what they're doing right now in the, the White House and in the Pentagon about Syria, right? Uh, you know, okay, they dropped chlorine, they're using chemical weapons, okay, how can we, you know, what should we do, how should we respond, you know? And so they got the smartest people probably in our country and in other countries that are aligned with us. You know, how in the world are we going to respond to this so it doesn't happen? You, you know, you've been reading the news and all that stuff. So normally that's what we do, right? But that's our ways of thinking, how does the Lord say you're going to defeat Jericho? Now, most of you know the story, but let's look at, let's read what he's going to tell them how to do it. Verse 3, you march around uh, the city, all you uh, men of war, you shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. The seventh, uh, the seventh, seven priests, I'm sorry, shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the, the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets, and it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Here's the plan. Here it is. (laughs) President, uh, here's how we're going to take care of this big problem here uh we're gonna do what well as we'll see here in a minute (laughs) the world's strangest attack military plan is right here and and really if you sum it all up what are they going to do to get in and, and, and to take the city about nothing 
Really, most of them will do is they'll walk around and they'll do that for six days. And on the seventh day, we'll see they'll do it seven times. And the only thing they'll ever come out of their mouth is on the seventh day uh, when uh, the seventh time around. And, and then the, the priest, uh, you know, will, we're going to blow one loud thing. Then you shout. And when you do that, the wall's going to fall down. And you just go straight into yours. Done deal, right? Oh, yeah. Come on. Of course that'll work. <laughs> you know, uh, but isn't that the way of the Lord? I mean, really, if you think about it, what seems foolish and crazy to man, the, the Lord says, that's just the way I'm going to do it. Um, it's because your ways aren't my ways. And I want you to see that it's not coming from your ingenuity and your way of thinking and how you're going to deal with this big battle ahead of you and this big problem that lays right in front of you. It's not going to be of your own thinking. The victory is going to come from me. And if you walk with me and listen to me, then there's going to be victory because I will give you the victory. But I want you to know, secondly, that it comes from me. Because if you, uh, you know, say, oh, yes, the Lord gave me the brain power to figure it all out. Well, then, you know, at the end of the day, you'd be like, wow, I did pretty good. And everybody like, hey, you did really good. Oh, yeah, I was really, you know, you know how that is. It's what happens in the world today, right? And the Lord says, this is what I want. I want them to recognize who did this because it's an impossible plan i want you to know it i I want everybody to know it whether they're inside the wall or outside the wall who's doing this and who's in control and and if you look through scripture that's the way the lord's done things uh you know to throw a couple things at you i was reading the other day naaman the leopard he was a big general in the army and he heard that somebody told him hey there's a prophet named elisha in israel and he could heal you, so he goes over there and, and says, okay, and he brings like, you know, 750 pounds worth of silver to give to him, a couple hundred pounds of gold and clothes and spice. I mean, he brought all this stuff, and, and uh, you know, he comes up to Elijah's house, I'm sure with these, well, he had chariots and all these, you know, big uh, caravan deal going on there, and uh, and Elijah does, Elisha doesn't even go out of the house. He just sends his one of his, uh, you know, younger guys, hey, just go tell him, uh, go to the Jordan River, dunk seven times, and you'll be cleansed. And so the guy runs out there, tells this big general with all these people and all this money, all this wealth to give him, and tells him to go do that. And man, Naaman is furious. I thought he would at least come out here and wave his hand over me and call on his God and, and do these things. And, you know, and, 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 and he doesn't even come out, and he sends a guy to do that and wants me to dunk Myself in the Pajaro River. <laughs> That's kind of what the Jordan River's like most of the time. It's just a muddy, yucky kind of river, to be honest with you. And, um, and, and uh, where I come from, there's so much better rivers. And then the guys had to set him down, his, you know, his buddies there that were with him. Hey, is that a hard thing he's asking you to do? No, just, just go do it. What do you got? You know, just, it's not that hard. If he asked you to do something hard, wouldn't you do it? Yeah. Well, so he does it and he comes back. Wow, you know. Wow, that's, you know, it's the Lord. It's kind of the same thing Jesus did, right? He healed somebody. He'd spit in the dirt and make mud. Disgusting kind of, right? I mean, he healed the guy, right? Or sometimes he'd just spit on him. Or sometimes he'd touch him. Sometimes he wouldn't even be within two miles from him and said, yep, they're healed right now. I mean, he just did it in so many different ways, in ways that just, uh, you, you know, the idea is that the Lord gets the credit. It's not from a person and he, his things, his ways aren't our ways. So, you know, we can expect that. When he's leading us to do this, what, Lord, you want me to do that? Are you kidding? That seems like the worst idea. 
that's a, that ought to be a good clue, right? Okay, that's what I should do, all right? I know it's hard when we're in those situations, but that, that's what the Bible teaches. That's what he's doing here. And as a matter of fact, in the New Testament, when we're told about this story in the walls of Jericho in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, you know, it clearly says in verse 31 of Hebrews 11, you know how the walls fell down? It says by faith. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. Not by a shout of a horn or some guy's doing something or a big battering ram or whatever. It was by faith they fell down because they trusted in the Lord. And let's see how they carry it out real quick and I'll show you some pictures. Verse 6. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, called priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and the seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. And so it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horn before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets. And the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpet, and the rear guard came after the Ark, uh, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And so, you know, this is uh, some picture, and I, you know, best I could kind of come up with. But the idea was the center of attention was on the ark. So you had some soldiers going ahead. You had seven priests kind of going right before the ark. And then you had some soldiers going behind them. And so this was kind of in the center. And these guys are just going to be blowing the trumpets. Everybody else is to be quiet. And they're walking around the uh, city of Jericho. Remember, the ark represented the presence of God. So that that was the center of all this. That's why the attention of the horns was drawn to right where the ark was. And then verse 10 says, Now Joshua commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout, and then you shall shout. So again, the idea was, the attention was from the ark, uh, on the ark from the priest blowing the trumpets right in front of the ark. And that's what it was supposed to be. It's not about you. You don't need to say anything. At the right time, you will, and then things are going to happen. So this is what they do. Verse 11, then the ark. Uh, so he had the ark of the Lord circle the city, going around it once, and they came to the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priest took up the ark of the Lord, and the seven, then the seven priests, bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns, before the ark of the Lord went continually and blew with the trumpets, and the armed men went before them, but the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. So each day they kind of do a lap, and if that helps you give some image of that, they kind of do the lap, then they come back to their uh, camp. Now, can you imagine by the end of the sixth day, um, it was probably kind of strange for everybody. Now, they, the, at least the, the Jews, the Hebrews, the Israelites knew, you know, the next day was coming. But you can imagine people, what, what is going on here? And I think that was all part of God's plan to, again, put the attention on who's in control and who's doing this and, and what's going on. The focus was going to be on him because, remember, the victory was going to take place by faith, not by how strong they were or how smart they were or anything else just like the victories the Lord gives us in our day and age. Not by our smarts or by our thinking or our figuring it all out, but by walking in faith and trusting the Lord, following his lead. Well, verse 15, Now it came to pass 
on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. And on the day, uh, on that day only, they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And again, there's no argument with anybody. They just shout. And again, um, I believe the people at this point, they knew that they had to depend on the Lord. <laughs> and to, to win this battle, they weren't equipped to fight against a walled city. They understood that there were skilled warriors in defense there. And Lord, I, I realize the battle's in your hands. That's where the victory's going to come. And so they do it, just like it is for us. And he says in verse 17, Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord for destruction, and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live. And she and all who are with her in her house, because she hid the messengers we had, that, we had, uh, that we sent. And you by all means abstain from the accursed things, or the, uh, where that can be translated as the devoted things, lest you come accursed uh, when you take of the th accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord, and they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. And so, again, uh, you know, the Lord had a plan for that and said, listen, there's going to be a lot of wealth in that city, but I'm teaching the important lesson. You're not to touch any of it. It doesn't belong to you. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And let's read on in verse 20. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then all the people went into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and women, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said to the two men who spied out the country go into the harlot's house and from there bring out uh, bring out the women and all that she has as you swore to her and the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab her father her mother her brothers and all that she had so they brought out all her relatives and left them uh, outside the camp of Israel but they burned the city and all that was in it with fire only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And so again, this is my battle. I want you to know that. There's a good lesson here that they needed to learn as well. That's not to be greedy, but trusting in the Lord for provision. It would be very tempting to take all this. This is, you know, a great a group and the Lord said, listen, I want you to know about that. I want you to know that I'm going to bless you. You'll never be without. I'm going to provide for you. But there's a principle here. And we talked about this on Sunday morning. If you're here in Acts chapter two, it was kind of the principle when the Holy Spirit came. It was at the Feast of Pentecost or first fruits. And the first fruits belong to the Lord. And if you missed that, you can listen to it online. But um, you know, the Lord says, listen, I want you to not be so self-centered and selfish. It's easy for all of us to be that way. And I got to worry about me and take care of me. And it's all about me. We're all that way. And it's not that we shouldn't worry about me. But again, the Lord says, listen, I, I want you to get that self-focus out. And giving 
is one of the great ways of releasing that. And the Lord knows that. Does the Lord need anything? Nothing. Does he ever need a, a minute of our time, a penny of our money, or any of our resources, or anything, anything else you could think of? Nothing. He lacks nothing. But he knows what's good for his children. And he says, listen, there's, and trust me, as we read through, there's going to be plenty they're going to have. But I want you to know this principle. This belongs to me, and don't touch what belongs to me. You need to know that. And we'll, next week, we're going to find out somebody that doesn't listen to that and the problems that it causes. But this is what he's saying right now. You don't understand maybe all these things. We may not always understand why the Lord's telling us to do something or not to do something, but that's where faith comes in. Now, back to, to Rahab here, verse 25. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent out to spy Jericho. Again, you know, as we go through Joshua, and we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, times we're coming up with. Remember, it seems maybe very harsh to us to put everything to death. But remember this. God gave all of them, really, this, certainly in Jericho, the same opportunity that Rahab had. And yet she was the only one to receive God's grace by faith. Everybody had the same information she did. She was saved by faith because she believed that God was going to do what he said he was going to do and what they had heard he was going to do, and that he was able to do that. And that was saving faith. It's the same way we're accounted as righteous or have right standing with, with the Lord. It's by faith. That hasn't changed. Rahab's day... Or in our day. And the Lord, you know, they gave them all the information. They had the choice. Listen, the Lord's not forcing anybody to do anything. He gives us a free will and says, listen, you can receive or you can reject. And it's black or white. People think, well, I'm not really against him, but I'm not really for him, so I kind of sit on the fence. It's, read John chapter 3. Either you're for, for me or against me. There's, you know, you have that choice. Hopefully, if you haven't made the choice to, walk by faith and receive that free gift that you'll do that tonight but everybody had that choice she did and as a result of course she came into the line of Jesus we know we read Matthew so she had a great place in Israel even though she was a harlot as we talked about and so verse 26 then Joshua ch uh, charged them at that time saying cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city Jericho he shall lay its foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall set its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his frame spread throughout all the country. Because it was such a big victory in the first battle, and the, and the first thing the Lord says, it, Joshua is basically saying this city should never be rebuilt. And when we get to, I think it's First Kings chapter 16, some guy decides to do it. And what Joshua said is it's going to cost that person quite a bit. You know, his, his oldest is going to die when he's starts the task, and when he's finishing up, which is putting the date, it's going to cost him his youngest. There's, there's going to be a lot of pain involved. And certainly somebody just figures I'm the exception to the rule, and I, that's not going to happen to me. And, and they did it, and it happened. And so, uh, you know, the Lord never warns needlessly, does he? Well, let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for this time that we get to look at these things. And boy, it's such an exciting, important chapters, Lord. I pray that, that all that application would just sit in our hearts and our minds, Lord, and 
that you love us and we can trust you and we should walk by faith. And that's what you want, whether it's in that day or in this day. That your ways are above our ways. That your plan is perfect in every way and we can trust you. You love us. You, you, you died for us. How much more do you need to prove, Lord? But sometimes we are forgetful or fearful or, well, any number of things, Lord. And it's always important for us to remember uh, that we can trust you completely and that you'll never leave us or forsake us. You'll never let us down. You'll never disappoint us. You love us and your love is perfect. And Father, I pray for anybody in this room tonight that has never opened their heart to receive your free gift of salvation through Jesus' death on the cross, what we celebrated just really last uh, couple weeks ago for uh, Resurrection Day, that uh, they might do that, Lord. They, they might be maybe the Rahab of their family in the sense of, um, you know, just really trusting and, and, and putting their faith and realizing that you're the God that loves them and has a perfect plan for them and, and, and wants them to be with you. And you want to come into their life to be their Savior, to be their Lord, to be their friend, to be their God, Lord. And you're sent Jesus to do that, and uh, you do love them, and I pray that they would just simply ask, because that's all it is, you know the heart, and you promise to come in and save them, and forgive them, and make them in right relationship with you, Lord, and, and then bring them into heaven, and, and so much more, so I pray that they might do that tonight, Father, and for my brothers and sisters, Lord, that you would bless them with the wonderful insight that you've shared with us tonight, Father. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, you guys. May the Lord bless you guys.